You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. I'm your host, Professor Barry McCarty. I'm Aaron Halstead, content manager and editor of PreachingSource.com, filling in today for Dr. McCarty. Um, In the studio, we have uh, Dr. Michael Didway. Dr. Didway is the founding publisher and editor of Preaching Magazine. He's also the founding dean of the College of Christian Studies and the Clamp Divinity School at Anderson University. He's the author and editor of several books related to preaching and ministry. And his email newsletter, Preaching Now, is read each week by more than 40,000 pastors and church leaders in the U.S. and around the world. Dr. Didway, it's uh, good to have you in the studio. Thanks so much. I appreciate what you, the work you do with Preaching Source. Thank you, sir. All right, well, uh, today we're going to be talking about relevant sermon application. Dr. Didway, in your opinion, why is application necessary in a sermon? Well, I don't think you've preached until you've done application. Uh, I think the reality is that uh, uh, exposition is really application of a text. Uh, We do exegesis to take apart the text in order to understand it so that we can then do exposition, which is the application of what does God want us to know and understand and do as a result of a text. And so uh, I don't think you've preached until you have applied that text. Okay, so what response would you have for preachers who claim that it's the Holy Spirit's job to apply the text and not the, the, the job or the role of the preacher to do that? I think you could just as easily say it's the Holy Spirit's job to help you understand the text. <laughs> uh, essentially, uh, you could just hand out Bibles at the front door of the church, let everyone sit quietly. Uh, the reality is, if you look at the preaching in the New Testament, you look at the preaching of Jesus, it's overwhelmingly applicational. And uh, if you look at uh, uh, there, many of the sermons that we have in the New Testament are ex- uh, evangelistic. There's obvious application there, but even uh, messages that are not, uh, there's a strong applicational focus. And if you look at, for example, what I, I happen to believe, I think Dr. Allen would agree with me, the book of Hebrews was a sermon. I believe the book of James either was a sermon or was generated out of sermonic material. You look at both of those, strong uh, exhortation, strong applicational basis in those. So I think if, if you simply want to turn back to the New Testament and say the preaching of the, of the, the early church was applicational, preaching of Jesus was applicational, uh, that's, that's good enough for me. <laughs> All right, well, it's good enough for Jesus, if it's good enough for you. <laughs> Amen. It's good enough for me as well. Uh, so for those of us who are preachers who are committed to text-driven preaching or expository preaching, who are trying to get uh, as much as we can our clues from the text, um, are there any markers in a text uh, that can help a preacher, uh, just help a preacher out in forming the application that best fits that particular text? Yes, well, I believe your application has got to be textually rooted. Uh, I'm not a believer in the person that says, uh, I'm going to do a sermon on three steps to a happy marriage, and he sort of reaches out and finds text to to, to kind of illustrate his own ideas. I think the ideas that we share, including the application, have to be rooted in the text. Uh, What I want to do is look for how would the the first century reader, using New Testament text, for example, how would that original reader or that original hearer have understood their application? From that, and that's where my exegesis comes in, that helps me understand what the author, that authorial, authorial intention, what is he, the author trying to communicate to that original audience? And then taking that, what's the timeless principle 
that is there? What's the, the that principle that was true then is true now that grows out of the specific application in the first century context? Now I take that timeless principle. I'm going to let that guide my message, and I'm going to turn around and reapply that principle into specific application for my own contemporary listeners. So everything that I do in today's sermon must be rooted in the, the text and what the, those original listeners would have heard. Not that it'll be the same issues. You know, for example, when Paul talks about eating meat sacrificed to idols, uh, I've been to Walmart recently. There is not a section of the butcher shop that says meat sacrificed to idols. Not but, that I'm aware of it. Anyway. Not that I, yeah, I haven't seen that when there are certain parts of the country, perhaps. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but the reality is, if I tried to only take that as a very specific contextual application, it doesn't make sense. But if I understand that there's some principles that emerge out of that, that, you know, Paul is talking about the danger of rubbing up against pagan influences and how those can, can uh, both influence us and influence other believers. You know, now I, you know, does that principle have some contemporary application? Well, you bet it does. And so what I want to do is take that original context, the, the original application, develop that principle, and then turn around and reapply it in my own contemporary setting. Now, the danger is I have to be cautious when I do that reapplication because I don't want to move over into legalism. I don't want to give people the sense that, well, if I do these three things, then, you know, hey, God's going to love me. Um, So I have to be careful. That's actually one of the values of trying to do multiple application rather than a single application. You know, uh, don't... Uh, you know, don't don't do this. You know, you could in a certain context from years ago, you ought not dance. You know, dance. You know, the uh, that's you know, God's against that. Well, you could in certain sermons in those days, you might have heard us uh, the idea. Well, you don't dance. Well, if I don't dance, then God's happy with me. So, we want to take whatever that principle is, and I think ideally try to provide several different ideas. Uh, Don Sanukian does a great job of describing creating a matrix of application. You take that principle and think about how would that apply in uh, the life of a man in the congregation, the life of a a mother in the uh, the, uh, congregation, the life of an employer or an employee. Think about how this timeless truth, this this principle, biblical principle, how does that uh, apply in the lives of people in different situations. And you, then you draw pictures of those scenarios. What would it look like in different kind of contexts to actually live out this biblical principle? So if I'm hearing you, Ryan, it's almost like taking, uh, taking one application or, or reapplying, or, you know, reapplying the, the principle that's contained in that text, but you craft that reapplication in such a way that it's, it generally applies to people in different life stages in your congregation, but you do maybe a sub-application of that to the different stages of your audience? Well, there, and, and it'll depend on the text, obviously. Right. It depends on what the principle is. But we think in pictures. And so the reality is if I can, if I can take that biblical principle and craft pictures, mind, mental pictures of what this would look like, in different situations to be applying this, then that's where people begin to get it. You know, they begin to understand, uh, you know, this is not just a theoretical thing. I could actually put this into practice. And, and, and 
while you can't cover every scenario, you can't cover every single person, I think the fact that you show different kinds of images in different kinds of people's lives, I think it helps them to get a better sense of what does this biblical principle look like when it's put into practice. Okay. All right. Well, Dr. Didway, is, uh, when I've seen preachers or heard preachers um, go through a sermon and and try to apply. Sometimes it seems to be two major ways that, that they do that, and we've touched on this a little bit in this conversation. They'll either form one application that governs the whole sermon, or they'll kind of pick up on different principles at different sections throughout the sermon and then have multiple applications for their sermon. So in thinking through that, um, if a preacher goes the route of having one specific point of application for his sermon, in your opinion, what, uh, what might be some pros or cons uh, for taking that route of sermon application? Well, and here I want to be careful to differentiate between the biblical principle and the specific application, because I think what we normally want to do in a unit of thought, uh, we take a text, a unit of thought, and we want to, Im- to define in that a single driving biblical principle, that big idea, that, you know, that take-home truth. Um, but once we have that principle, then there can be multiple applications of how we put that into practice. And that's that picture I was describing of creating that matrix. You, you can overdo that as well, uh, but perhaps having two or three different examples of how one might be able to draw, draw some pictures of how one might be able to put those, uh, that biblical principle into practice. So I think that's helpful for listeners, because really what we're doing, we're really translating uh, we're really taking that biblical principle and translating for a contemporary audience how they can understand what that biblical principle looks like put into practice. Okay. Uh, one of the things that I've uh, struggled with and just in my own preaching is trying to make the application specific rather than just some generality. So how does a preacher avoid being general or avoid generalities in his application and make it, and make it absolutely specific? Well, the biblical principle is the general part. The timeless truth is the general part. It's not a bad thing to be specific in application. That's going back again to the idea of creating those different pictures of that. It all depends on the text. I mean, again, everything we do has got to be back and rooted in the text, and so the specific text we use is going to give us some guidelines in terms of what we can do. Um, And not every application is going to be something you would go out and do tomorrow in the workplace. Some applications are theological. You know, it's, it's an understanding of what God... For example, if I help people understand what God's grace means in their lives, the fact that, that their salvation is not dependent on anything they do, it is utterly of Christ. It is completely... Uh, God's grace is completely what Christ has done for them. Well. People might not think about that as application. It is application because it affects how they think about their own life. It affects how they think about God. It affects the way they approach their faith. And so uh, there are all kinds of different ways that application uh, enters into the picture. Uh, Some is that more theological application. One thing I would always argue is that we keep our application rooted in theology. You know, the practical and the theological need to stay linked. You know, we need to understand. You don't just um, uh, you don't just do these application things out of duty. You do them do them because they're theologically rooted, because there's a reason mm. for them in terms of a relationship with Christ. 
that's helpful for me to, to think through that uh, application doesn't always have to be do this. Sometimes yeah. it can be believe. Yeah. Believe this. That's right. All right. Well, because our beliefs impact what we do. Yes. Uh, so what do you have any practices or maybe any strategies that help you um, in thinking through moving from uh, this big picture principle into specific and to make that specific into specific applications? Yeah, I, I try to pray a lot when pray I'm a lot. <laughs> preparing. That's a, always good. Preparing a message. Yeah, that's, a, that's <laughs> sort of step one, isn't it? Um, I, I really do believe in a sanctified imagination uh, that uh, as we as we ponder a text as we spend time. And of course, I like uh, reading it, you know, a passage. I'm going to be preaching in multiple translations, getting different flavors of them, um, uh, paraphrases, just uh, looking at, at, at a text and, and meditating over it, pondering over it, praying over it, um, and asking the Holy Spirit to really help to begin to percolate in, in your mind those ideas, uh, to begin to see it. And, I, and again, I do think that if we can do our exegesis and identify that driving theological idea, that driving biblical principle in the text, then that tends to open up the applications. Because once we understand that, and you know, we once we understand what is that driving, I you know, theological idea in this text, now I begin thinking, okay, what would that mean in my life? I first start with me. You know, what, what is, how, how does this principle, this theological idea, touch my life? How would it impact my life? And then having, you know, having thought about that, now thinking about not just the congregation in general, how would this impact uh, people in specific situations? You know, how would this impact my family? How would this impact another particular family? How would this impact some of the older members in my congregation? How would it impact some of the young adults? And so this is where we, again, that, that matrix concept is really helpful uh, because it helps us to begin to think through what, was this princ- what does this principle look like in practice as we kind of cover the waterfront of different areas. Again, we're not going to use all of those, but I want to try to use ones that would be specifically helpful. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that... Um, uh, a, a danger is sometimes as preachers, we find our own hobby horse, our own area of interest, yeah. and everything we do, illustrations, application, everything tends to hit that particular area. Uh, you know, for 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 some preachers, it's you know football. Everything's a football illustration, or everything like. And so we have. To, this is one of the areas where it's really helpful for us to remember that while I might be able to illustrate or apply using a particular area for one part of the congregation, I can't leave out the others. And so to be intentionally focused on on thinking about different people in the congregation. You know, Jim Henry used to, when he was at First Baptist Orlando, used to have a wonderful practice on Saturday. He'd go in to the sanctuary and he'd preach through his sermon. But then he would go out in the congregation, he would go to different pews, and he would put his hand on those pews and pray for the people that would be sitting in that pew the next day. Well, what I'm suggesting is you carry that farther back into the study, and you think, who, who's going to be sitting in that pew? How can I help them understand um, this biblical principle in their life, the impact it can make in their life? And, and drawing that sweep across the congregation, I think can... For most of us pastors, one of the, the great value of being a pastor is you get to know your people. 
And so as a pastor, you have the opportunity to begin thinking about not just people in general, but Joe and Shirley and Mary and Don. And you can think about their lives and their situations. Um, and how would a person in those situations uh, put this biblical principle into practice? Mm. Well, Dr. Didway, you've uh, mentioned the idea of imagination uh, playing a role in in crafting this application. So how can a preacher um, develop um, uh, his own imagination or his own creativity to help uh, feed into this this process of developing application for his sermon? Well, some people are, are naturally imaginative, others are not. Um, my, my friend Calvin Miller, who's the late Calvin Miller, who was such a, such a wonderful preacher. Um, I don't think Calvin ever understood that not everybody had the great imagination <laughs> that he had. He could craft these m- amazing kind of narrative stories and, and things and, and didn't quite understand the rest of us didn't have that. So, I mean, some, some folks are naturally uh, gifted in that way. Others of us have to work at that. And, um, and, and there are different kinds of things. I think one thing, we listen to other people. We get ideas from other people. We read widely. Uh, don't just read to get up a sermon. Uh, read for enjoyment. Read for uh, read books that have nothing to do with your sermon, but that will feed your soul. Mm-hmm. And uh, and 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 then constantly be asking the Holy Spirit to to kind of guide you into the truth about this particular area, and then open up. You know, just kind of try to get out of the kind of narrow focus. Um, uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a, such a believer in solid exegesis. We do it. But we have to remember that exegesis is not exposition. Yeah. And so uh, being able to get yourself out of the narrow box of 80 to 90% of my sermon has to be explaining the background of the text. That's not why we're there. If you look at Jesus preaching, that's not what he did. You look at the preaching of the New Testament, that's not what they did. They certainly took the Old Testament and used it as a foundation for what they did, but they were, they were constantly talking about, now what do we do? Now how do we respond to God's truth, to what God is doing? And so um, I think just opening ourselves up and asking God to guide us and lead us into truth that we not, might not otherwise have found on our own, uh, I think... God can inspire us, our preaching in the study, just as much as in the pulpit. Mm, That's a good word. Well, our guest today has been Dr. Michael Didway, uh, talking about relevant sermon application. Dr. Didway, it's been a pleasure having you in the studio today. Thanks so much. It's been fun.